Would you turn please to Hebrews, the 10th chapter scripture that we've looked at earlier this week. And if you uh, have not been with us this week, let me encourage you. Get the previous messages, not because I preached them, but because I believe uh, the Lord got some things out in the meeting that are very significant and important. Go back in the back, Word Supply, and get you a DVD or CD. Go online, download it. It won't cost you anything. And around here we have a saying. No cost means no excuse for not knowing it, not getting it, not having it. So uh, do that. Take advantage of that. And uh, I just know you'll be strengthened and enhanced by it. Hebrews 10 and 38. 10 38 says, Now the just shall live by faith. Those justified by their faith in Christ shall also live and walk by faith. The same way you get in the kingdom is the way you operate in the kingdom. Anybody know how you get in? How you get born again? By faith. faith, You believe it in your heart. And you say it with your mouth. That's how you get born again. And but for some reason. Tradition has replaced the word. And people think. I mean just about any church you go in. They'll agree with you. That's how you get saved. Yeah by faith. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. But then they think that's it. That's the end of living by faith. And then you go into all kind of other, you know, begging and all kind of other things. But no, the same way you got born again is the way you get your babies healed and your bills paid. Come on, are you listening to me? Everything in life, said out loud, the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, he said, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. The, the opposite of walking by faith is is pulling back in unbelief. The next verse says what? But we are not of them that draw back. We ought to say that out loud. We are not of them who draw back. He under perdition or destruction. But who are we? We are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We're believers, not doubters. We're overcomers. Not quitters. Now the previous nine chapters in Hebrews building up to this. You see repeated warnings about unbelief and what it can cost you. In the fourth chapter of Hebrews verse 1 he said let us fear. Lest a promise being left us of entering in to his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Did you know no matter what kind of good word you hear, it won't benefit you if you don't mix faith with it? You could hear the best preach. You know, there were people that sat in the crowd and heard Jesus preach and got nothing out of it. There were people that sat and heard Paul preach and saw miracles and got nothing out of it. You have to mix faith with it, don't you? Back up to the third chapter. Uh, there's several verses here. He keeps warning about don't harden your heart. Don't do like the, the first generation of Israelites that were delivered out of Egyptian bondage that refused to believe 
Verse 19 says, we see they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. Unbelief. They thought it was the giants that kept them out. They thought it was the huge walled cities that prevented them, but it was none of those things. How many know the next generation proved it was none of those things? They came over those walls, they came through those giants, and they took the land, proving the word of God was true all along. But the first generation could not be persuaded. God had told them, I have given you the land. Now go up and possess it. But after seeing the giants and seeing the walls, fear got on them. And they refused to believe. It wasn't that they couldn't believe. They refused to believe. We talked about how that the scripture refers to unbelief as the result of ignorance. Paul said, I obtained mercy because I did what I did ignorantly in unbelief. But this is different. These guys are referred to as having an evil heart of unbelief. Why? It wasn't because they didn't know. They hadn't heard the land was given to them. And it wasn't because they didn't know God could do it. He's proven what he could do through all those signs and wonders in delivering them out of Egyptian bondage. They refused to believe it. They hardened their heart and said, no, I'm not going to believe it. I don't care what you say. Caleb and Joshua, remember, did their best to get them. Said, quit being afraid of them. Don't rebel against the Lord. We can do it. Come on, let's go. And they wanted to pick up stones and kill them. Sometimes people say, I just can't believe that. That is not true. No such thing as a person who can't believe. It'd be more accurate to say, I choose not to believe. Yeah, amen, that's good. I refuse to believe, especially when you've heard and you know. Now go back with me to Numbers again, please, and notice this. We read Numbers 13. We read Numbers 14 because we want to make sure we don't do what they did and not be of those who draw back, but be believing ones. And we notice a phrase, a word that was said concerning Caleb. It applied to Joshua as well. In Numbers 14 and 24, Numbers 14 and 24, he had told them after their refusal to believe, God said, how long will before these people believe, after all my signs and wonders that I've shown them, how long? And eventually he said, it's going to be just like you said, you keep saying you're going to die and I'm out of your own mouth, it's what's going to happen. He said, but my servant Caleb Because he has another spirit with him and has followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land wherein he went and his seed shall possess it. Somebody say glory to God. He had another spirit. He had a different spirit than the ten. What kind of spirit did they have? They had a spirit of fear. And unbelief and rebellion. He had a spirit of faith and courage and faithfulness. The Bible said he wholly followed the Lord his God. He was committed, and you know he was because it was tried. Him and Joshua had to endure this unbelieving bunch for 40 years. Before they got to see the word come to pass in their life. Can you imagine? We're not talking about four months. We're not talking about four years. 
year after year after year. How'd they do it? In the midst of all that unbelief. Don't tell me you can't believe God with unbelief all around you. Joshua proved it. Caleb proved it. And I I can only imagine that ever so often they had to get off by themselves. (laughs) And Caleb said, Joshua, I'm going in. He said, me too. I don't care what this bunch does. He said, we're getting old, but I don't care. I don't care if I'm 195. I'm going in. You going in? Yeah, I'm going in. We going in. And they'd probably get him a song. We going in. We going in. No matter what they do, we going in. (laughs) And they'd talk to each other about about what they saw. He said, you remember that mountain over there? Yeah. I'm going to put me a sign up on top of that thing. It says Calebville. He said, you remember that big orchard? Yeah, he said, that's Joshua's orchard. They had to keep the dream alive. They had to keep the vision alive in a dry, dead place full of unbelief. Unbelief everywhere, all around about them. Oh, saints, listen. I don't care what people talk around about you or on the job or at school. You do not have to be conformed to this world. You can hold your vision. You can hold your... I didn't say it was easy. But by the grace of God, you can do it. Never let anybody rip away your faith in the Word of God. Hold on to it. Amen. Said he had another spirit. A different spirit. Now, uh, concerning this, go with me. I believe it's over in uh, Joshua. Let me. Yeah, Joshua 14 and uh, 8. Caleb made a statement about what happened spiritually. Joshua 14, 8. He talked about how that he held to his faith. And wholly followed to the Lord. But he said, my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Spiritual influences are real. There are, the, the Bible talks about spirits. God is spirit. The Holy Spirit is spirit talks about the spirits of those who've left this life and gone on, talks about angels who are spirits, and talks about the devil and demons who are spirits. And these spirits seek to influence in this world and in this life. The influence is very real. And when these ten spies went into the land, they saw those giants, the spirit of fear, and unbelief got on them and they yielded to it. Well, by the time they got back, it had developed in them. And the, that's the spirit of fear gave them utterance. And they communicated that fear to the whole congregation and it spread through them like a disease. And the whole bunch of them with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, yielded to the fear. 
yielded to the hopelessness, yielded to the despair, and it disqualified them from going into the land. Their unbelief made them unable to take it. Are you seeing this, friends? Yes. Now, the devil, no demon, can overpower a child of God. I'm going to say it different ways and more times. There is no demon. There are no herd of demons that can overpower a child of God. We are the sons of the Almighty, the living God, authorized in the name of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Ghost. People say, well, I know, I know believers that have been overpowered by devils. No, you don't. You never saw one. You never met one. You never will. Now, you may know somebody who has yielded to them until their life is a mess. But to say they could not help it, they were helpless before a demon influence is a deception and confusion. The biggest problem with people of God is not getting power over the devil because we already have it. The biggest problem with people of God is yielding to wrong spirits. Anybody know what a a free agent is? So all the sport fans popped up and went, yeah, I know what a free agent is. There's a there's a theological term called a free moral agent. What would that even mean? What is a sports fans? What's a free agent? <laughs> That's a perspective. Free agent refers to being able to play for any team. Right? We are free agents. We can play for any team. We can yield to any spirit. I don't care how long you've been born again. I don't care how much words you can quote. I don't care how much God has used you. You can get up in the morning and yield the wrong stuff and do crazy stupid stuff. Hmm? You are a free agent. But you can't say the devil made me do it. It's not true. I don't care how strong the thoughts or feelings or suggestions or temptations were. You being a born again child of God, you could have resisted. If you couldn't have resisted, you shouldn't have to repent. Because it's not your fault. You couldn't help it. And some people want to try to get you to believe, well, I couldn't help it. It just came over me. Next thing I knew, it happened. I don't know how it happened. Now you're lying. Thoughts came, and you didn't run them off. Feelings came, and you didn't shut them down. Come on, are you listening? It may have happened over days and weeks and months, but if you got in trouble, it's because you yielded, yielded, yielded to something wrong. Fear is all around. 
And from the time human beings come into the world, God is endeavoring to get faith in them. Should be preferably first off through their parents. Their parents can speak faith to them while they're in the womb. Right? But then their preachers and their Bible school teachers and should be their educators in all realms putting faith into them. Sadly, a lot of folks try and take faith out of them when they go to school. But uh, the Lord is endeavoring through His Holy Spirit, through people, through the Word of God, to get faith into them, into us, all of us. But at the same time, the enemy, from the time a baby comes on the scene, before the baby's on the scene, in the womb, is trying to put fear and rebellion and unbelief and lies into their little spirit. People talk about so-and-so was born a murderer. They were born child molester. They were born that way. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. Nobody comes into the world born evil. Did you hear me? But these evil influences start immediately. And there can be evidence of it a few months old and a couple of years old. But it's not because God created them that way. Are y'all with me, friends? No. And what should happen is parents who know God, if they see some kind of evil influence, they bind it up and shut it down right there. And they teach the child, resist that. Stand against that. Don't yield to that. And if that was the case, it would never affect their soul, their spirit, their body, their mind. It would not shape them or influence them. But if you yield to the Holy Spirit, you're going to take on the characteristics of Jesus. Hallelujah. You'll be, how many think the little ones should be influenced by godly influence from their parents and their siblings and their grandparents and, and certainly the church that they go to? They ought to get faith in their little spirit, right? And it ought to just get stronger and stronger and stronger. And they ought to know at a very young age, anything that's evil and wrong, any kind of thought, any kind of suggestion, any kind of feeling, any kind of temptation, stand against it. Resist it. Say, go away from me in Jesus' name. And that would be the end of it. I said that would be the end of it. Listen to me, saying of God. I'm going to say it again. No demon can overpower a child of God. Ten million demons could not gang up on one child of God that was born again yesterday and overpower them that they had no control and they couldn't help it. Cannot be. The problem is folks yielding whether ignorantly or knowingly. That's the problem. Didn't the Bible say give the, neither give place to the devil? Ephesians 4.27. Neither give place. What does that mean? 
It means he shouldn't have any place. And it means you have the power to keep him from having any place. How many believe the Lord told you not to do it? Then you have the power. He wouldn't tell you to do something you couldn't do. Didn't he say resist the devil? And what would happen? What would happen? He will flee from you. Say it out loud. He will flee from you. If you do what? If you do what? But you got to resist him. I said you got to resist him. Those ten spies didn't resist fear and unbelief. They let it in them. And then they went and communicated that fear to the whole congregation. And you have to back up. We talked about this earlier in the week. But these guys haven't heard about giants and walls. They got no reason to be sad. They've heard about milk and honey. They, they, they're free people with money in their pockets ready to have their own places and land. They're excited. They're pumped. Until they heard this. I said until they heard this. They could have resisted and say, no, I don't care. The word of the Lord is true. I'm not going to yield to that fear. But they didn't. The whole bunch yielded to the fear and unbelief. And it cost them dearly. They wasted their lives out there in the desert, wandering around in circles and died young and died wrong and missed God's plan. Fear is an awful thing. Fear can prevent the plan of God happening in somebody's life. Fear can interrupt a miracle in progress. We saw it with Peter walking on the water the other night. Look with me, go go over to Deuteronomy, I believe it is. Deuteronomy, the 20th chapter. Caleb said, my brothers that went up with me to spy the land, they made the hearts of the people melt with fear. Now, that's one of the reasons judgment came on those ten and they perished that day because they were held responsible for feeding that fear into the whole congregation. How many think people ought to be rewarded for feeding faith into people and them getting delivered? Well, on the other hand, how about people feeding fear into folks? Should they be held responsible? They should be. You never want to feed fear into anybody. Faith only. Said out loud, we are not of them that draw back. We're believers. This is so significant, so important. As we were talking about earlier this week, people of God have not taken fear seriously enough. Uh, Fear is spiritual, for lack of a better word, contraband, that we should have absolutely none of it in our possession around us at any time. How many have read the Bible enough to know God said, fear not, fear not, fear not, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. How many times? How many times? Scores and scores and scores. We've heard it until it's just like a religious slogan and haven't taken it seriously enough. When he says, don't be afraid, what do you think he expects as a result? He expects us to immediately stop all fear. But people haven't heard it that way. They thought, well... Isn't that nice? Yeah, Lord, help me. I'm trying. You know, we all get scared sometimes. We're just human. That's religion. And it's wrong. When God says fear not, you know what he expects? He expects you to have 
zero fear in you or about you. It is so contaminating. It is so destructive and dangerous. Listen to his instructions for his people in going to war. In Deuteronomy, the 20th chapter in the first verse. He said, when you go out to battle against your enemies. This is God through his man instructing his people. And you see horses and chariots and a people more than you. Everybody say outnumbered. Outnumbered. (laughs) They got better horses and more of them. They got better chariots. They got better weapons and more of them. And they got more soldiers. You might say you're, you're outmatched on the battlefield. Outnumbered at least in the natural. What do you say? You see people and you're outnumbered. What do you do? What do you do? Recruit more people. Huh? Run away to live and fight another day. Huh? What, what's the main thing? How many believe the Lord could have said a lot of other things right here? What's the one thing he says? Be not afraid of them. How can I keep them being afraid of them, God? They got me outnumbered 10 to 1. Because the Lord your God is with you and he's bigger than everybody put together. And if God is for you, who can be against you? The God that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. You know what I can do. I've already showed you what I can do. What's the main thing? You see this daunting, this impossible seeming problem. What's the number one thing? First thing. Don't be afraid of it. You've got to get a hold of yourself. You've got to get a hold of your soul. Get a hold of your thoughts and your mouth. And here's the thing, friend. You can have symptoms of fear. That doesn't mean anything. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will. It's a choice. I will fear no evil. Friend, we've got to learn how to walk by faith. The devil will come and there's feelings and and you're shaken. And the devil says, it's too late. It's too late. You're scared. It's too late. No, it's not too late. That's when it's on. You're in the middle of it. It's, you got to be able to, I don't care if your knees are bumping together. you got your hash standing up on the back of your neck. Goosebumps up and down your arm. You say, even through a trembling voice, you say, I refuse to fear. Fear, I resist you. I will not fear. That's all you got to do. Take a stand on the inside. Don't be moved by what you see or feel. Yeah, yeah. And what are you doing? Aren't you resisting? What is that? You're, you're resisting it. And if you'll do it, what did the Bible say? It'll leave you. Is the word of God true? Yes. Then it doesn't have to happen like that. Yes. And if it didn't leave, why would that be? Because you didn't resist it. Because if you resist it, it's got to go. And uh, verse 2. It'll be when you come near to the battle, the priest will approach and speak to the people. He'll say to them, Hear, O Israel, you approach this day to the battle against your enemies. And what does he say to them? What does he say to them? Y'all fight hard. Make sure you got your guns old and, huh? Remember your training and, how I many of those a thousand things he could have told them? Here's what's important though. 
Let not your heart faint. Fear not. Do not tremble. Don't be terrified because of it. Why? Because this is where the battle is won or lost. The other stuff is details. And God's bigger than all that. Don't be afraid. Don't let the fear get in you. Don't yield to it. Then he proceeds talking about people that would be disqualified. He said, if you just got married and uh, how long you been married? And he said, people raise their hands. So oh, y'all go on back home. Uh, you just built a house. You just did this. You know, y'all going back home. And then he gets to verse eight. And the officers shall speak further to the people. And they'll say, what man is there that is fearful and faint hearted? You go return to your house. Now let us back up here. This started out with saying, when you see people, horses, chariots, more than you, they're outnumbered and they're sending people home. Come on, put the picture. Guys are standing. There's a battlefield down there. You're outnumbered. Two to one. Three to one. Everybody knows it. And the priest is supposed to come and say, anybody scared? Raise your hand. You scared? Who's scared? You scared? (laughs) Hands all through the crowd. He says, go home. Get out of here. Go to the house. Now, go. You're sending away soldiers. You're sending away. You're already outnumbered. Why? Why? Listen to today's English version. It says, the officers will say to the men, is there any man here who's lost his nerve and is afraid? If so, he is to go home. Otherwise, he'll destroy the morale of the others. The message Bible says, they say, is there any man here who is wavering in resolve and afraid? Let him go home right now so that he doesn't infect his fellows with his timid and cowardly spirit. Why? Oh, listen, friend. Even outnumbered. You're better off with fewer people full of faith than with any fear in the crowd. Is it true or not? The New Testament says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little yeast worked through the whole batch of dough. And fear is this way. Fear is this way. You're better off with three people believing God. And and then them three refuse to fear. And refuse to be dismayed. Than you are 3,000. And 30% of them full of fear. Because that 30% can easily influence the remaining 70%. According to the word. It can just flow right through. You know what else is contagious? Faith. Faith. If a person's receptive to it, I know I had the privilege of working in healing school with Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry for a number of years. And uh, I began to see, I heard some folks say sometimes in laying hands on people to be healed, they say, you know, you got any faith to be healed? And they say, I don't know. And they say, well, you don't, you know, and, and just, just kind of go right on. <laughs> and uh, the Lord helped me to see if I had faith, It could inspire their faith. 
if they had some faith, but it was a little bit shy, then my faith could influence it. And one of the first times I began to act on that, I came to a lady and we're laying hands on people in the healing line. And I came to her and I started to lay hands on her. I said, well, sister, I said, uh, do you believe you'll receive as we minister to you right now? She said, uh, I sure hope so. I, I need it bad. Well, she's not quite there. But I could detect something about her voice that she wasn't refusing to believe. She wasn't hard about it. And I just backed up. I said, you know, just last week, I laid a hands on, on a woman, had the same condition as you. And I said, I mean, the power of God come on her. And that thing was completely gone in three days. I said, I believe God loves you just as much as he does her. She said, me too. I said, I sense the anointing right here, right now. I said, look down through that, the rest of the line. There are people that already received healing. I said, I believe if I'd lay hands on you right now in the name of Jesus, the power of God had come in you. And that little thing that's been working, and that's the devil. He can't stand before God. I said, that'll go right out. I said, do you think? She said, yeah, yeah, pray for her. <laughs> her faith was close. It just had to come up a little bit. Faith or fear can be really contagious. Does it matter who you're around? Does it matter who you're listening to? Oh, it does. It does. It matters so much. It was so serious that they knew they were better off with fewer men full of faith than a bigger group of soldiers with fear spreading through the midst of it. Do we know that much today? Is it true? Yes. Somebody said out loud, no fear, no fear. In, the camp. in the camp. No fear, no fear. In, the in the church. No fear, no fear. In, the in the family. No fear. No fear. No fear. No fear. Friends, are you hearing with your heart? We've got to become serious about getting the fear out. We cannot let it linger. We cannot have residue of it. We cannot toy with it and play with it. When you sense any kind of fear, you got to treat it like a poisonous snake in your house. And you got to say, we got to get this out of here instantly, immediately, right now. We can't let it stay another two minutes. Right? We cannot have. Why? Because it can keep you from having your miracle. It can shut things down. Can hold you out. Did it keep them out of the plan of God and promised land? But that's not us. I said that's not us. Say it out loud. We are not of those who draw back. See it's fear that makes you draw back. We're believers. We're believers. We're believers. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. He said, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. What does that mean? It means what your mama told you. Don't hang with that bunch. <laughs> It'll get off on you. Mama was right. The living Bible says it like this. The living Bible says, don't be fooled by those who say such things. If you listen to them... You will start acting like them. 
if you listen to them, you will start acting like them. There's some places you and I as people of God ought not go. There's some dark dives, some clubs, some places of ill repute. You and I got no business being there. Do you know why? It's not just not being there. If you're there and get involved in what they're doing, you'll wind up fellowshipping with the spirits they're fellowshipping with. The spiritual influences haven't been as real to us as they should be. And there's some places where folks have yielded to stuff extensively where these things have a stronghold. And the influence is very strong. That's why some kids, they get away from a godly home and they go somewhere on a vacation or out of the country or something. And man, they just do crazy sinful stuff that they never imagined they would do. They, they don't realize they had been sheltered spiritually. That because of the strong faith and spirits of the people that had been around them, there wasn't this strong temptation and influences, but then they get over the place where everybody's yielding to it, and they haven't developed in themselves to resist it like yeah, they should. That's good. That's good. And so they, don't, they, just, they just felt like doing it, so they just did it. And man, by the time you're three years old, we should begin to know if it's not right, don't yield to it. Resist it. 1 Corinthians 10, 20. 1 Corinthians 10, 20, just there close by. He said, I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. Now let's talk about other religions. Praying and praying to statues and praying to pictures and doing all these kind of things. People say, well, that's nothing to that. Uh, yeah, people that really push into it, there are spiritual things going on. But it's not the Holy Spirit. And he said, they sacrifice to devils, that's the word for demons, and not to God. And notice this next phrase, I would not that you, is he talking about to the saints of Corinth here, the church, that you should have fellowship with demons. That you would yield and have fellowship with these wrong spirits. Somebody say, resist the devil devil. and he'll flee from you. Say it again. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. This should be real to every child of God, but it has not been nearly to the degree it should be. None of us just come into the world and have to be a certain way. We are who and what we've become from result of what we've yielded to. And whatever spirit you yield to, you take on those qualities and characteristics. If you read in the gospel accounts, the Bible talks about Jesus casting out spirits, driving out spirits. And uh, it describes different effects of different spirits. In Luke 11, put this up on the screen for us. Luke 11, 14. Since Jesus was casting out a demon, and it was dumb. What was dumb? The spirit. And it came to pass when the demon was gone out, the dumb, the person spoke, 
And the people wondered. The Bible refers to unclean spirits. Spirits of infirmity. Other things. And you'll see that whatever kind of spirit it was. That was the kind of problem that was in the body. Or in the person that took on those qualities. If it's fear then it's fear. If it's something else. Whatever it is. Galatians 5. Gives detail. About what we call the fruit of the spirit. Another way of saying it. The characteristics of the Spirit are the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work. If you're yielding to the Holy Ghost, will you take on the qualities of the Holy Ghost? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You'll take on the qualities of the Holy Spirit because you're yielding to Him. But in that same passage, he mentions the works of the flesh, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And let's look at some of them. You don't have to turn there. But he mentioned, one translation said, fits of wrath, anger, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, bitterness. People pitching fits of rage are yielding to wrong spirits. I didn't say they were possessed. It's not the same thing. I said they're yielding to it. Yeah. And can stop. You believe it or not friends. What do you got to do to to stop? You got to resist it. Instead of yielding. Feelings come to us all. Thoughts. Feelings. Suggestions. But there's two very important things you need to learn in this life. What to yield to. And what to resist. You got Christians resisting the Holy Ghost. Bad idea. Fighting healing, fighting prosperity, every other kind of thing. And then you got folks yielding to the enemy, yielding to fits of temper, yielding to depression, yielding to bitterness, yielding these things. I'm going to say it again real loud. No demon or group of demons can overpower any child of God at any time. If there's influence there, why is it there? Because of yielding. Whether ignorantly or otherwise, it's because of yielding. Are there spiritual influences? Yes. Should we be afraid of them? No. Absolutely not. We talked, if you weren't here, we talked about this previously. We showed some footage of Brother Hagin, who had experience and, and revelation from the head of the church about evil spirits. And one of them that he saw, he said, was a little thing and looked kind of monkey like. And when he commanded him to stop and leave, he fell down and shook and trembled. The Bible said that, that the devils believe and tremble. That word means shudder. People have got this Hollywood horror film idea of demons and it's completely wrong. They are not big monsters. And you don't have to see a spirit to deal with it. Do you have to see the Holy Spirit to yield to Him? Well, then you don't have to see a wrong spirit to resist it. When you sense those feelings, those suggestions, those influences to make you afraid, to put you in terror, to get you to be discouraged, to get you to be dismayed, it is not time to close the door and pull the blinds 
and get a fresh box of Kleenexes and lay there and feel sorry for yourself because what you're doing is yielding to wrong spirits. Man, if people could see what they're doing, if they could see what was spiritually piled up in the bed with them, when they quit taking showers to try to feel cleaner, they would never do it again. Friend, no matter how you feel, I don't care how bad it's been, do you believe that the greater one lives inside you? Do you believe that Jesus always gives you the victory? You can stand up through the most awful feelings and tears and symptoms and you can say, I don't care. None of these things move me. I don't feel like it, but Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. Depression, I resist you. Fear, I resist you. That's all you got to do, son. That's all you got to do. If you'll do that and won't relent, it'll change. Feelings will change. It'll subside. It'll fade because it is written. Resist the devil. He will flee. He will. He will. Somebody say he will. He will. He has to. Has no choice. No choice at all. Matthew 12, please. Matthew 12, 43, Jesus said this. When the unclean spirit, if a person yielded to an unclean spirit, what would happen in their life? They'd become unclean. You remember the so-called madman of Gadara said he had an unclean spirit. He lived in the graveyard amongst death and putrefaction. Why? Why? People say, well, he's just a bad man. He's yielding to some bad stuff. But praise God for the story was over. He's delivered and healed, clothed and in his right mind and wants to be with Jesus. Too many times people have looked at flesh and blood and go, well, they're just a bad woman. They're just a, they're just a bad man. Look how mean they are. Look how ugly they are. They've yielded their own stuff. But friend, they can be born again. They can be cleaned up by the blood of Jesus. They can be filled with the Holy Ghost. They can become some of the most wonderful people there are on the planet. Saul was a murderer. Breathing out threatening. Enemy to the church, number one. He became Apostle Paul. Champion of the faith, right? You just need to get saved. (laughs) And quit yielding to the wrong stuff. Right? You, me, any of us. Jesus said when the unclean spirit's gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and, and can't find it. And he says, I will return to my house from whence I came out. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. I want you to just notice this part. I will return to my house. Lying devil, that's not his house. That's that person's house. And yet, he said, it's my house, and he tries to go back. Now, you know what you do at your house? You make it to suit you. You decorate it to your taste. And you furnish it the way you want it. You put the furniture where you want it. Huh? If it's your house, you make it to suit you. And that's what this spirit's talking about. Making it to suit him. His house. And he can never do this. And force this on any child of God. 
It's only if somebody would yield to them. For this kind of influence to happen. But I want you to notice in Mark 5. And verse 8. When Jesus was dealing with another spirit. He said come out of the man. You unclean spirit. And he said what is your name? He said my name's Legion for we are many. In verse 10. He, he besought him much. That he would not send them away. Out of the country. Why? Why, why did they care about that? They're spirits. And, and one of their big things is, don't make us leave this area. Why? Why would they care? Have you ever heard the term familiar spirit? The two primary definitions of familiar I want to mention to you. One definition is well acquainted with. Well acquainted with. Why would they not want to leave that area? Same reason you wouldn't want to leave where you call home. You're used to it. And you have made, you have relationships in the area. And you have working connections. And you know where to buy your produce. And you, right? It's your area. Why would they care? Because they're accustomed to it and they have trained people to yield to them in that area. It can take years, decades to train people to yield to extensive degrees, especially to yield fully. And they don't want to start over from scratch. Trying to bring suggestions and and feelings and thoughts to get somebody to yield and have a temper fit or or yield to thoughts of adultery and murder or yield to thoughts of of stealing or or whatever the thing is. Because they can't make you do a thing. I said they can't make you do a thing. All they can do is try to influence you. Feelings, thoughts, suggestions. Imaginations. It's all they can do. And uh, a second definition of familiar, you'll see this clear, is of the family. Of the family. Well, familiar. Root words, family. Family. And I've noticed this. Over the past several years, the Lord's opened my eyes to to see how some of these things are working. Familiar spirits are spirits that have become familiar with someone by a lot of association and a lot of involvement. And by the way, some of these folks that are so-called supposed to be talking to the dead, it's either nothing to it, or if it is real, they're communicating one of these familiar spirits that's impersonating the person and they know all kind of stuff about them because they were hanging around them for 60 years but it ain't them it's not the person when human beings die they go up or they go down they don't hang around but what about a spirit that has influenced somebody 
for 10, 20, 30, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, and that person's about to die. They got to start thinking about where to go. And you know where they're going to look first? In the family. Why? They're going to try to find the person that is the most like the one that they have been with because that one will be the easiest to influence. And if you'll think about it and look at some situations, it'll begin to click for you. You'll begin. And I'm not saying people are possessed now. Are you hearing me? No. They're just yielding to this. They might, they might not have any problem with it for days or months, but then they'll start yielding to it, and then there'll be these problems. Does any child of God ever have to yield to a wrong spirit? No. Never. Can any demon overpower any child of God because they want to? No, no, never, no way, no how. No. If the child of God will do what? Resist the devil, what will happen? He'll flee from them. I want to remind you of some of these things. The Bible said that uh, Elisha, they said the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. What does that mean? Same spirit. Why? They spent time together. They lived together. They were in ministry together. There was the same environment. There was a, there were the same associations. There was the same call. And through that, Elisha is already trained to yield to the same spirit. And friends, look up and see where God has placed you and who he's placed you around because it's going on right now. God would train us all up to yield to the Holy Ghost. Right? He would teach us. I know I had the privilege of working with Brother Hagin. And uh, one time we went out in a meeting and he talked about that he had trained me and I, I felt honored. But at the same time, I thought, you know, I never spent much personal, at that time, no personal time with him. And in my mind, you know, if somebody personally trained you, you sit down one-on-one and, that, but there was none of that at that time. And, and I said, Lord, uh, am I missing something? He said, well, he said, every day you were in that class, every day you were in that healing school. I was training you through him. And I didn't realize. I'm seeing him interpret the flow of the spirit. I'm seeing him yield. I'm learning things I don't even know I'm learning. Every service you're in. Every time the spirit of God's moving. Every time the word's going out. You're getting more than you know. You're being trained. And in the future you'll be able to connect the dots. Because it'll come back up to you. How many believe God would train us to yield to the Holy Spirit? And, you know, some folks, uh, you don't learn everything overnight. I mean, it it can take years to learn to yield to certain extents and certain degrees. And God would train the next generation as that generation is prepared to finish their course and, and go on. But evil spirits are trying to do that kind of thing. They're trying to prep people and train them to yield to them. 
And you see that uh, in the scriptures, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but like in the Kings, it'll say so-and-so did as his father did. So-and-so did evil just like his father did. Have you seen that? Over and over again. Why? Well, he grew up in the house with him. He's around him yielding to these wrong things. And when he got grown, he did the same thing. He didn't have to. Once in a while, you'd see it break. And he'd say he didn't do evil like his father did. So you don't have to. But what you're used to and familiar with, you can yield without thinking if you've been in it all your life. But once your eyes are open, you can make a change. I said you can make a change. Once you see everything that's around, everything we're seeing, every movie we see, something inspired the writers. What spirit was it? Every book, something inspired the author. Every message, something, someone is inspiring that. And we we don't just need to be seeing natural only. We need to be aware. Spiritual influences are working. And I do not need to subject myself to something that's trying to train me to throw temper fits. Or lust after somebody's wife or lie or steal. I mean, the moment you see any of those things, it's time to shut it off, close it. Come on, are you listening? Get out and go, no, you're not going to train me to do that. You're not going to train me to do that. You're not going to train me to cuss. You're not going to train me to lie. You're not going to train me to yield to you. I'm not. I'm not. Somebody say, I'm not. Glory to God. I want you to listen to some wonderful positive examples. Philippians 2.20. Paul says, I have no man, he's talking about Timothy, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. You know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. What do we know is going on? The same spirit that's on Paul is getting on Timothy. He's like-minded and so he's going to be inclined to yield the same way and believe the same thing. doesn't matter who you're around, saints. Who you're fellowshipping with. Who you're listening to. Yes, it, it makes all the difference in the world. I was talking with a, a minister friend of mine a few years ago who was heavy, heavy into drug use as a teenager. And uh, man, he about, he about messed up his mind and brain from just taking hard drugs. And, and of course, under the influence of those hard drugs, did some stuff and you know, was messing his life up. and But here he is, many years later, free and completely healed and bright mind and in the ministry. And I knew some of it, but I wanted to hear it from him because he was way down and now he's way up. I said, uh, how, how did you come out? Tell me the details a little bit. He said, number one, there were some people that God loved me in my nasty state. No matter how bad I was, they loved me, and I could hear it in their voice. They believed I could be something. They believed I could be free. He said that was priceless. And I got to the Lord, and he got born again. He said, but that was not all. He said, I I came to the place in my life shortly right after that, I realized I cannot be around my old friends. I cannot be around them. Why? Why? Because what are they doing? 
They're doing, they're doing drugs. They're wanting to do drugs. They're trying to get drugs. Trying to get money to get drugs. Hmm? And he has just come out of that. And even though he's born again. His flesh was not born again. And his flesh will want to be pulled right back into that. Friend do you know. The Bible said, talked about presenting us like a chaste virgin to Christ. And the Bible talks about uh, yielding to wrong spirits, compares it to adultery, spiritual adultery. And I want you to know that the, no matter what you've done, how bad you've been, how low you've been, the blood of Jesus can cleanse you and wash you and make you clean. And you can get free. I don't care what kind of bondage or habit or addiction. The power of God is way more than any addiction. And you can get completely free. But you can be free for 20 years. And here comes a Saturday night. These demons will roll up in your driveway. Honk, honk. Hey. Remember how we used to party? Party. Hey, remember us? Remember us? Like an old girlfriend or an old boyfriend. And you married. Come on, are y'all listening to me? They are seducing spirits. And they will come. And if you had a drinking problem, or you had a, a lust problem, or this in the past, they'll come. And you're saved. You're not, it's not that you're backslid. Just because a wrong thought comes to you, or a wrong feeling comes to you, doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. It's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus himself was tempted. You've heard me tell the story, I think it's one of the best, about this guy one time on this huge, tall skyscraper, and he looked over the edge, and man, the people looked like tiny, tiny ants in the cars, and he said, this thought came to him, why don't you just jump? He said, you jump. (laughs) I'm not crazy. I'm not going, when he said it, it just went, I thought, yes, yes, yes. Would that every child of God could identify an outside influence that distinctly and that quickly, and you wouldn't be troubled. But the problem is, people don't believe there even is such a thing. They don't believe there is a devil or influences. Or if they do, they're somewhere off in a dark jungle somewhere and got nothing to do with me. And they'd sit there and go, why am I thinking about jumping? Oh, and the moment you do that, three more come sit on your shoulder because you're suicidal. You want to kill yourself? No. What are you doing thinking about jumping? If you think about jumping, you should. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And a person that had nothing wrong with them in a matter of days and weeks can get completely destroyed and messed up. Oh, God, y'all got to pray for me. I'm suicidal. When did you become suicidal? The devil is just playing them like a little puppet. Come on. And the thing is, it is so ridiculous because they are little, stripped, brought to naught, nothings under our feet. And all we got to do is have some awareness and stomp our foot and say, shut up and get out of here in Jesus' name. Resist them and they will flee. That's right. Oh. Somebody say glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Bible said in Acts 13, listen to this one. 
when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they themselves were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And you know what they did? They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Oh, being around Jesus, he's never yielding to any wrong spirit. He's yielding to the Father. He's yielding to the Word. He's yielding to the Holy Spirit morning, noon, and night. And even though they didn't have a clue and they came from complete ignorance and they didn't have the natural stuff going for them either, yet after a few years hanging with Him, they're acting like Him. They're walking like Him. They're talking. And even the ungodly noticed it and said, they've been with Jesus. You see somebody acting crazy and evil, what do you know? They've been with the devil. <laughs> you see somebody acting good and accomplishing good things, they've been with God. Right? Those influences. All have been tempted. And it'd be hard to find somebody in here that hasn't yielded to something wrong. But you don't have to. You never have to. And even though something has bothered you for years or decades, you can be free tonight. Did you hear that word right there? You can be free tonight. Brother Hagin, as fine a man as he was and is, and as spiritual a man, we looked the other night, he, he said he had fear doggish tracks for years and some issues that bothered him and bugged him, but he got completely free by revelation of the truth of the word of God. And one more time, I want you to hear it from him, how he got free. Roll tape. <laughs> he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. But you see, you have to know it's there, and then you have to partake of it. If you don't know it's there, you can't partake of it. Amen? But if you do know it's there... You still have to partake of it. If you don't partake of it, though it's there, it won't do you any good. You could have a table in the natural full of all kinds of the best things that you like to eat. But unless you eat it, it ain't going to do you no good. Amen? Well, how do you partake of what he has on the table? By faith. By faith. Hallelujah. He prepares a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies. Right in the presence of them. They're right there. And so a lot of times people, all they talk about is the enemy. The devil this, the devil that, the devil did this, the devil did that. Yeah, they're there, sure. We don't deny their presence. But right in the presence of them, we got a table spread. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the presence of mine enemies. Well, who are my enemies? Notice plural, enemies, not enemy, enemies. Well, Satan is our enemy. We know that. But all of devils and demons are our enemies. And then not only that, fear is an enemy. Now, I was healed at approximately 17 years of age after spending 16 months bedfast. And like I said, it had been practically totally paralyzed. They turned me on the sheet. I can't turn over on my side. They fed me. Well, I, I just, you know, I never heard anybody preach on the subject of healing. 
I saw in the Word of God, Mark 11, 23 and 24, and then eventually somebody gave me a little book on faith. And uh, so I was healed. But I didn't know where sickness came from. And there was a fear that dogged my tracks everywhere I went. I was healed in 1934, August the 8th, 1934. And for 10 years, till March of 1944, I mean that fear, you say, what fear? The fear that I might become paralyzed again sometime. Now, unless you've been paralyzed, you don't understand. Because, like I said, it seemed like you're, you're in the body, but you, the body doesn't respond. It's like you're in prison. You're held inside in prison. And so that fear dogged my tracks. I mean, when I went to the pulpit, like a little, little dog, you know, like a little pup, I went to the pulpit to preach ten years. See, didn't have the baptism for 1937. Baptized in the Holy Ghost, spoke in other tongues. Came over into Pentecostal circles. But every time I went to the pulpit, I'd look around like a little dog sitting there. There's that enemy. There's fear sitting there. Went with me to the pulpit. I mean, at night time, when I went to bed, sitting, you know, like a little pup, a little dog, you know. Sitting right there by my bedside. Ten years. Dogged my tracks. Now why? Well, you see, I really didn't know then. I just saw faith and healing. That really healing is the children's bread. That he had a table spread for me. And everything I needed was on that table. But I got a hold of a book. Written by Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans. Entitled Healing Leaves of Healing. She was a medical doctor, then was healed and spent the rest of her life, 45 years, preaching divine healing. And she gave an illustration about where sickness comes from and gave an illustration. As a medical doctor, back during World War Number 1, back in the mountains of the western part of our nation, there was a typhoid epidemic broke out. Well, she, along with several other doctors, she headed them up, was sent up there by the government to try to stem this plague. Well, knowing something about it, they knew the first place to look. If you're going to stop it, you've got to find where it came from, was their drinking water. Now, they ministered to those that had typhoid, as best they could. Some had already died, so they buried them. But they checked their drinking water and found out that their drinking water was teeming. That just means it was full of typhoid germs. Where do you get your water? Well, the way back up in the mountains, we have a reservoir. The snows of winter and the spring, the rains of spring, and they'll fill up the reservoir. And then there's a pipe running from the reservoir down into the valley. Well, they sent some young men up there to check it. They drained the reservoir and found out an old sow and nine pigs fell into it, contaminated the water. Well, she said, God went back to the beginning. We've got to get back to the source. God made everything good. You go back and read it. He made everything good, didn't he? There was no sin or sickness. There was no sickness until the devil came on the scene. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And I saw that. 
See, you, Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth will set you free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I'm reading this. About 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm holding a meeting in Carthage, Texas, down East Texas. Standing in the parsonage with the pastor and his wife. I'm up here in the front bedroom. At about 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm reading that. And just reading it, finding out where sickness came from, and that the devil's the author of it, I happened to look down there where that little dog, you know, little pup, fear, it's gone. I mean, it just disappeared. It disappeared. I got so thrilled, I couldn't stay in bed. I jumped out of bed. Glory to God. I jumped out of bed, and I ran. I ran. I ran. I ran around and around and around that room. I don't know how many times I circled that room. Glory to God. We ought to get so thrilled with the Word of God that we can't sit still. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I got back in bed. It's after 2 o'clock. I decided, well, maybe I better get to sleep here. And so I turned the light off, and I dozed off. And for some reason or another, suddenly I, I, I woke up. I was awakened, you know. And I was used to that fear sitting there. You know what I mean? Just like you'd be conscious of a little dog that's there by you. But I looked, and he's gone. I jumped out. I turned the light on. You, if you've got good sense, you don't want to run in the dark. Glad to break your big toe. I turned the light on and took another running spell. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. I ran around and around and around and around that room. Hallelujah. Praise God. See, I found out something that's on the table that I didn't know was on the table. Now you've got to partake of it. You'll know the truth. The truth will do what? Set you free. Set you free. Yeah. Woo! Glory to God. The truth will do it. The truth will do it. Shh. Hallelujah. Praise God. Between 2 and 4 o'clock in the morning, I took four running spells. <laughs> four running spells. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Thrill with the word. Thrill with the word. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some people wonder what makes people in church run sometimes. Well, sometimes it's because the anointing's on them. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah when he ran. And then again, they're just so thrilled. I mean, bless God, you can get so thrilled you can't stay still. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. Glory to his holy name forever. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Everybody stand up. Glory to God.
Glory. Come on, let's lift our hands and begin to praise God some. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. 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 You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Glory to God. Glory to God. I mentioned that uh, spirits that have influenced certain individuals gets near the end of their life, they'll try to find somebody like them to influence them. I saw this with my own dad. He's gone home to be with the Lord now. Good and a wonderful man. My grandmother, wonderful saint of God, had an inordinate fear of bad weather. Their house was hit by a tornado way back, I don't know, I guess in the 30s maybe. And uh, from that time, I don't, I don't know exactly what happened, but man, uh, thunder and lightning could begin and the wind could begin to kick and you could see it in her eyes. Man, it, it shook her. And she'd start hollering at us, get in, get in, get in, and, and just a panic. And, and, just, and she'd sit there, and every time it lightened, boy, she'd just she'd jump. And uh, we never had any of that. And we lived in the south, and sometimes there was some rough weather. And, and, uh, but my dad, you know, he had no fear of weather, none. I mean, there's probably some times we should have got in, and, and we, we didn't get in. But... Uh, when my grandmother went home to be with the Lord, not too long after that, we were doing some things, and there come up a storm, and, and I was with my dad, and he looked at me with some alarm in his eyes. I said, man, that looks like a bad storm. And I was just shocked. I thought, I never heard him say anything like that. I thought, what? Where'd that come from? And there were several times after that that I could just, I saw fear, and he was not a I mean, he's not a sissy guy. I mean, he's, you know, courage and face down stuff. And, and it, it really surprised me. And, and it was years later before I understood what had happened. He was probably the most one like her in the family. He's not possessed. He's a child of God. He's got the Holy Ghost. But this thing came to him and tried to bring that fear on him. Thanks be unto God, not too long after that, he realized it, he stood up to it, and that was the end of it. It was no more. No more. The enemy comes. Thoughts and feelings come, and they're real. They are very real. But are you listening, saints? You do not have to give place to the devil. You don't have to give one inch to fear or to anger or temper or desperation. Do you believe you can stand up in the name of Jesus and say, no, you don't. Not in my house, you don't. Not in my finances, you don't. No, you don't. Put up on the screen for me, please, Second Timothy 2. Second Timothy, you can just remain standing. Second Timothy 2, 
25 is a great revelation. He talks about in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to what? To the acknowledging of the truth. What will the truth do for you? It will. Uh, the word make free means liberate. Same words also translated deliver. The truth will deliver you. The truth will liberate you. The truth will do it. It has the power itself. And the next verse. And that they may. That they. The ones in the situation. May recover. Themselves. Out of the snare of the devil. Who are taken captive by him. At his will. Listen to. um, The new living translation. The New Living says, Then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap, for they had been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. They'd wake up and realize what they'd been yielding to, and nobody needed to discern anything, and nobody needed to cast out anything. They repented to what they'd been yielding to, they acknowledged the truth and recovered themselves out of the snare and grip of the devil and he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want us to just begin to play softly. Let's lift up our hands. Let's lift up our hearts. We need to do some things right now. Faith has come. The Word of God has given it to us. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes and focus on the Lord for a moment. Numerous things have the Lord has put His finger on tonight while this has been going on. And people have seen things that they've been yielding to or giving place to or allowing. You can get used to the most atrocious stuff. Year after year after year, it's been there, it's been there, it's always been that way, it's been that way. And you just think, well, this is life. But no, my friend, if it's wrong, you can resist it. You can stand against it. God did not give us the spirit of fear. So we don't have to have it. We've not received the spirit of fear again to bondage. We've received the spirit of the living God, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And if he's our father, we're sons of the Most High. Pray in the spirit, some saints. Hallelujah. Just, Just keep your eyes closed. Focus on the Lord. There are a number of people in the building, buildings, Outside the buildings, you've been listening to the wrong folks. You've been hanging around some things. You know what they're going to do when you go over there. They're going to yield to sin. And you wonder, well, why can't I get free? You know why. You must make a quality decision tonight if you want to be free that you're going to quit listening to that. And you're going to separate yourself from them. Well, yeah, but they're my friends. They need to come your way. You don't need to go their way. They need to come to Jesus. You don't need to backslide with them. 
And if you don't make that decision, it's going to cost you dearly down the road. It's going to get worse and worse. And, and there'll be some things that you can't, you can't recover completely from. Some things that'll cost you if you keep going down that road. Make up your mind right now. Right now. You know who you are. You know what the Lord's saying to you. Make up your mind. Okay, Lord, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to change that. I'm going to tell them I love them, but I can't be with them. I can't. Them doing what they're doing. Going where they're going. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. I make the decision. In Jesus' name, by the grace and help of the Lord. I'm going to quit listening to that. There's some folks, every time you go around, all they want to do is try to turn you against the people you know God joins you with. All they want to do is talk bad about your spouse. All they want to do is talk bad about what you're doing, where you work, what you're doing. That's the enemy. I didn't say the person was the enemy, but they're yielding to it. And they're speaking it out. And you've been listening to it. If you don't stop, it's going to cost you. Make up your mind. Make a, do you want to be free? Then you've got to make up your mind. Make up your mind. I'm going to quit listening. I'm going to quit listening to it. I'm stopping. Tonight, I'm making a decision in Jesus' name. You heard Brother Hagin talk about that fear that dogged his tracks. He's saved. He's a preacher. Year after year, that fear was there. He's not possessed, but it's dogging his tracks, and he's letting it stay out of ignorance. He's yielding to it. Oh, but he found out the truth, and it left him. It was put on the run, and he was free, free, free. Fears have dogged people's tracks. Fears where you're going to wind up like mama. You're going to wind up like daddy. You're going to wind up like your sister with that cancer. You're going to wind up with them. Uh, You're going to wind up like them, you know, destroying your marriage. You're going to wind up with them. All these things are designed to cause you to fear so that your fears come upon you. And that is the dangerous thing. We must do something about saints. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Say it out loud. In the name of Jesus. You spirit of fear. And unbelief. Leave me. Go from me. Get out of here. In Jesus name. I will yield to you no more. You have no place in me. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Don't listen to it anymore. Oh, you're going to wind up. No, I'm not. Say it right out loud when that comes. No, I'm not. You're you're becoming homosexual. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You're going to destroy your marriage. You're going to have a fair. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You're going to die young and not fulfill your ministry. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You're going to lose your mind. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. 
No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You're going to get feeble and unable to take care of yourself? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Any kind of thought, any suggestion, you know it's from the devil. God didn't tell you that. He never told you any of that. He said, with long life, I'll satisfy you, show you my salvation. He said, you have the mind of Christ. Glory to God. Oh, somebody say glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. Yield to the Holy Ghost. Resist the devil. Yield to healing. Resist sickness. Yield to the peace of God. Resist every fear. Hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him some more. Oh, Lord, we worship you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We praise you. We bless you. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Grief is not okay. Hmm. There has been an unspoken idea that, well, I mean, you know, so-and-so passed and, and, uh, and that's different. No, it isn't different. Jesus bore our griefs and carried yes, our sorrows. Yes, he did. And the scripture makes a command, sorrow not. Yeah. We are not people without hope. That's right. Grief, the spirit of grief, the spirit of fear, and the spirit of death run together. And grief is the great door opener. And will hold that place open as for death and fear as you yield to grief. And grief begins to come up in there and you yield to it. It does not feel bad. It feels good. That gushing sensation feels good. And people yield to it and yield to it and yield to it and yield to it over and over and over. But right on the other side of that grief is joy. 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 But you cannot, no, no human person can stand up against grief without having taken a stand. It will not go away. And when people tell you, now that's all right, baby, you need to just cry this out. You can't cry it out. No. 
No, you don't cry it out. The more you cry it out, the deeper it gets. No, it's when you take a stand against it and say, No, praise God, Jesus bore my griefs. He carried my that's sorrows, right. and that's not my grief, and that's not my sorrow. Glory be to yes. God. I'm a child of God, and I demand the joy of the Lord yes. in me. Yes. Now, somebody is really carrying a load of this thing in here tonight. And this is the place to get rid of it. Rid the of anointing it. is here to get rid of it. There are people here to stand with you yes. to get rid of it. Praise God. Yes. It is time to run that thing out of your household. That's it right. is time for you to take back the ground that it stole from you. Yep. Amen. Yep. And rebuild yes. what that thing took out of your life. Amen. Hallelujah. There are people that are no longer husbands to their wives and no longer wives to their husbands. No longer the kind of parent. And it seems like, well, their excuse is they're grieving. That's tragic. And it'll bring more death into the thing. It'll bring sickness and disease right in on its heels. I mean, grief is cancer's next door neighbor. Hmm. Amen. Oh, God, help us. Thank you, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grief. Sorrow. Take your hand off God's property. Yes. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Leave this premises. Yes, go, 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 go. Get out of here. That's it. That's it. Now, if that's you, you take your stand right now and believe God. Take your joy. Thank you. Take it. Thank you, Lord. Take it. Thank you, Lord. Take it. Take it. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Walking by faith. Is the opposite of walking by sight or by how you feel. And the most spiritual thing you can do when you feel depressed is to shout hallelujah and praise God. The most spiritual thing you can do when you're afraid is to proclaim victory. When you feel grief, one of the strongest things you can do, the Bible said, at destruction and at famine, thou shalt laugh. And when you feel like crying and falling apart, but you got enough faith through your tears to go, ha, 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 devil, ha, 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 I resist this, ha, 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 come on, by faith, by faith, by faith, ha, 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 I'm strong in the Lord, ha, ha, 
His joy is mine. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Do you know you can laugh with tears rolling down your cheeks? Do you know you can laugh and not feel like doing everything else in the world but laughing? How many of that strong faith? When you feel like falling in a puddle on the floor, but instead you lift up your voice and say, I am the redeemed of the Lord, and I am saying so. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Ha, ha, ha. Somebody needs to say it. Watching by internet. Get up off that chair. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Ha, ha. I'm free. 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 The word said, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Ha, ha, ha. Jesus has triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. Victory is mine. Oh, let's sing victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.